We're going to talk today about self-awareness. What do you think about self-awareness? How many, think, how many of you think you're self-aware? How many of you don't know? That, well, whatever, sorry. <laughs> self-awareness is a popular thing to, to talk about these days. It has a lot to do with, with knowing who we are, uh, knowing our strengths, our weaknesses, aware of how we are affected by our emotions, how we are affected by others around us being aware of our eccentricities and perhaps even our blind spots are all part of being self-aware. It's actually kind of trendy today to be self-aware. And because it's trendy um, to speak of self-awareness, it means that it's open to certain humorous jabs like this one from some e-cards. Oh, you don't have any weaknesses? Excellent, because we really only hire people with no self-awareness. So, you know, that might be if you're in a hiring position. Some of you might know the savage chicken who says, I want greater self-awareness, but I can continue to be unaware of my bad qualities. (laughs) Or this. Why is self-awareness such an important part of living a balanced life? I don't know, but I'm definitely thinking of tricking up my car. Who, Who gets that? The second person is not. Okay, so anyway, uh, just uh, a clue. Or as I like to say, there are some people that simply are not self-aware, and they don't even know it. So anyway, okay, so much for the humor part of the sermon. Didn't go over as well as in my office when I was laughing hilariously. But um, (laughs) seriously, (laughs) the quest for self-awareness is has been fueled recently um, through different kinds of movements, and it's fueled probably somewhat by some of the personality profiles that are very popular, like the Myers-Briggs personality analysis. You familiar with that one? E-S, kind of S-N-E-S-S-S-F, definitely F, and J-ish for me. So I'm kind of an E-S-F-J-ish, all right? Those of you that speak Myers-Briggs know what I'm saying, okay? I think I might have been born as an ENFP, but... Being in leadership and having to be organized in a pastor has made me kind of that way. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Then there's the Enneagram. Some of you are familiar with the Enneagram, which has some spiritual roots to it and is being used a lot in different ministries. There's nine types. I'll send you the link. If you it, Actually, you can even Google up now if the sermon gets boring. It's number nine, ninetypes.com, and you can learn a little bit about it. But wait till we're done. See, uh, I'm a nine, by the way, the peacemaker, who's also the conflict avoider. But let's go on. Um, all these personality tests are helpful. They, they give us insight into why we do what we do and why we feel what we feel. Uh, they help us understand our, our key relationships better, actually. Um, how my type gets along with your type and why my type drives your type crazy, for example. It helps us know how to better approach our, our work and it helps us know when it's applied well how we work with others and how we understand where others are coming from and how they process information. And to be aware of our type helps us know best how to give and to serve. And that's where another whole dimension of self-awareness opens up for those of us who know God and are seeking to follow Christ and, and live into what he's called us to do. And as a result of that, those of us seeking to serve his church most effectively. Self-awareness becomes part of how we can serve most effectively. Scripture teaches us that all of us, all people, are created in the image of God. All people, every person has deep value and worth to God. There's a unifying thing in that. 
Uh, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it means also because we're created in God's image that we are full of potential to serve in some powerful ways. We are full of potential to love like God does. We can love in an overwhelming, never-ending, reckless way too as, we, as our lives are joined with God's. We have, uh, uh, there's an amazing thing that happens as we live into what it means to be created in God's image. But Scripture also teaches us that we are each very unique and gifted and enabled in different ways by God. Our journey and our growth to disciples is one of discovering and becoming aware, you might say. As we, as we learn to live this life of following Christ, we become more aware of, of who he is and we become more aware of who we are, of our own uniquenesses, affirming them and, and putting them to use to serve Jesus discovering how we are shaped for ministry. And that's an acrostic we're going to use. We're going to use the SHAPE acrostics, S-H-A-P-E. It was originally developed by Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Community Church in Southern California. Some of you remember Purpose Driven Life and Purpose Driven Church. That's Rick Warren. Uh, his church is so big. His staff is twice the size of our church. It's, just, uh, yeah, it's an amazing church. But this, this ministry came out of that church. Um, he came up and he developed it as a way to help his congregation learn how they were, well, shaped for service in ministry, discovering and becoming more aware of. And here's what they stand for. The S is for spiritual gifts. The H is for heart or passion is actually a better word, but shape is a better word than spape. So we, it's shape. So heart is our passion, what we feel strongly about, our abilities, our personalities. And then finally, our experiences also shape us. God uses even and sometimes especially the painful experiences of our life to make us better equipped to serve. So that's where we're headed the next five weeks. You don't want to miss a single one of them, okay? You can listen online if you have to miss, but this is where we're headed. Today, this is where we're headed. God has created and shaped each of us as unique individuals in his image, including the ways in which he has prepared us, wired us, and gifted us for service and ministry. Together, we are discovering God's shape for each of us. And today, we explore spiritual gifts. I'm going to look then a little bit at the self-awareness, but beyond that, secondly, we're going to look at understanding our spiritual gifts, and then thirdly, how we can begin to unwrap our spiritual gifts. I love Psalm 139 that Wendell uh, just read. It speaks so powerfully of our being created by God, created as unique and special human beings. I especially love the wording of how God knits us together in the womb. Don't you love that? That became part of a prayer for Megan and I each time that she was uh, expecting one of our children and now as we have expected each of our grandchildren. We pray that God would do his work of knitting together that little miniature person. Our newest grandchild is the size of uh, what now? A mango now, I think our daughter-in-law told us. She's due in June. But uh, we're praying that that little baby is knit together uh, well by God and blessed by God. I love Psalm 139 and its words of reassurance of God's care for us, a reassurance that he has plans for us. In the psalm, God essentially is saying to each of us, you are not a mistake, I've got plans for you. All that overwhelming, reckless love of God comes into play, and God says, you are not a mistake, I've got plans for you. The Apostle Paul says it a different way in the New Testament. He says, you are a masterpiece in Ephesians 2.10. 
You know, sometimes we talk about different translations that might get confusing, but there are several different English translations of the original Greek. And each of them tries to, to handle each word well and translate it as literally as possible. Some translations try to actually get the, the, the feel of it and the, and the meaning so that it fits into our culture well. And so that's why sometimes I mention different translations, not to, not to show you how cool it is that I can mention different translations because anybody can do that. Just read them. But sometimes it gives us a fuller meaning. So I picked two today. The New, the new International Version, which is in those Bibles in front of you, says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works when which God prepared in advance for us to do. But the New Living Translation says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And some versions say workmanship. You were his workmanship. The implication of all three of these words where they're trying to get us, you are a work of art. How many said that when you looked in the mirror this morning? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, God saying, Paul is saying you are a work of art. You're created by God. He's, he's created you to do all these good things. It's right after the verses where he says we're not saved by our good works. We're saved by, by grace through faith. And what we're created for then is to do good things, not to earn our salvation, but to give expression to what God is doing through us. And you are a masterpiece. It goes so beyond self-awareness because we do not, in this pursuit of self-awareness, we don't just look within. It's not a selfish pursuit. It's not a self-absorbing pursuit. Rather, we also look to God who has created us and loves us. And that gives us purpose and significance. I've been making use of this book off and on. Uh, the title of it is uh, Shaped, Finding, and Fulfilling Your Unique Purpose for Life. And it's written by Eric Reese, who is one of the 559 staff members. Of, uh, I don't know how many staff he has, but he's the guy that runs this whole thing. It's his area. It's his wheelhouse at uh, Saddleback Church. And reason this book speaks of this is finding this, this self-awareness pursuit, this gift pursuit as finding our kingdom purpose. He defines it as this. He said, it is your specific contribution to the body of Christ within your generation that causes you totally to totally depend on God and authentically display, display his love toward others all through the expression of your unique shape. He goes on and says, it's way more than a career. It is a special commissioning from God to make a significant difference on this earth. <laughs> that's pretty big. That, that's kind of a woe, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of like being on a mission from God, right? <laughs> but it's this idea of God has wired and prepared you for this. And it is pretty big, and that's why we need to take a closer look at all of this. So let's dig into it. Let's look at spiritual gifts a little bit better and try to understand a little bit and see how we might unwrap them better. First question is simply, what are spiritual gifts? And actually, it's easy, easier sometimes to begin sometimes with saying what they're not. First of all, spiritual gifts are not the same as personality traits. But understanding our personality traits can help us understand how we can best express our gifts. For example, there's the gift of evangelism. And, and all of a sudden, you get these images of people. But a quiet, contemplative introvert can have the gift of evangelism. They won't be screaming on a corner. But they will employ their gift in a way that is close, connected, one-on-one. Whereas an extrovert may share with several people in a day or have a passion for several. So see, extrovert, introvert, very different, but they can both have that gift of evangelism. Personality comes into play, but it's not the same as a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is not the same as a natural talent. That's part of what we are born with. Uh, what we're born with, what we bring into the world before the Holy Spirit gives us gifts or even perhaps things that our parents nurtured in us before we came alive in Christ. And again, our natural abilities can play a role in expressing our spiritual gift, but they're not the same thing. 
Reese also mentions that they're not the same as the fruits of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus built each of those into each of his followers as character traits. The gifts are what we specifically receive to contribute to the kingdom. Now, on the positive side of what it is, Reese offers this definition. Spiritual gifts are a God-given special ability given to every believer at conversion by the Holy Spirit to share his love and strengthen the body of Christ. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You see, because they are spiritual gifts, they have spiritual purposes. Because they're spiritual gifts, they have purposes that are going to affect the kingdom of God on earth. Because they're spiritual gifts, they're going to have some connection to the building up of other believers, to the building up of the church, to ministries that extend from the church, ministries of compassion and justice that are kingdom work. Because they're spiritual gifts, they have spiritual purposes to make, as we say here, a kingdom difference now and in the lives of people that God loves. Another question asked is, why why does God give us gifts? 1 Corinthians 12, 7, the Apostle Paul says, Now to each the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Or again, another translation, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So there's a purpose there is this common good and a helping of each other. The gifts that God gives us are, are really not about us or for us. I remember when I realized that, that my spiritual gift is not so that I can have the sense of fulfillment of, okay, now my self-awareness is complete in my own little Scott world here that I have this gift. And God said, you know, it's really not for you. It's for the church through you. Our gifts are not a special reward from God. They're not intended to boost our self-esteem. They are for the building up, the blessing, and the empowering of Christ's church. And that's why it's so important to be part of a church community. Solo Christianity can, can work for a while in terms of nurturing our personal faith. And maybe uh, church can get messy. It's easier to do it on our own sometimes. We can find what we like on the Internet or TV to do our faith, and that, that's okay. But eventually, if you want God to work through you, it needs to be in a church community. And if the church is messy, they probably need your gifts and need you to do them well. Reese says, discovering your spiritual gifts is not the ultimate goal. Using them to bless others is. Another question is, does does everyone get a gift? I I couldn't help but think of Oprah Winfrey. Um, Think of her all the time. Anyway, um, not sure how I feel about president. But anyway, um, her speech was pretty amazing. But I couldn't help but think of her giving cars to everyone in her studio. Who doesn't remember that? You know, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. Google that up for memes, and you'll see a lot of crazy stuff. But anyway, I did, and I'm not putting any of them on the screen. But anyway, but essentially, that's what God does. And again, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us, each of us. And you get a gift, and you get a gift, and you get a gift. And you get a gift. And you get a gift. Before we um, look at how we can discover and unwrap our our spiritual gifts, I've invited Diane Qualiana to come up, share with us a little bit about her own journey and her discovery of her gifts. And uh, I think we'll learn some good things there.
So, or, yeah, there, because there's no mic here, and I'm not going to take it off because it's whatever. And then there's that. It was for Wendell before. You good? God makes us all different. See? It was an illustration. So that you can comprehend some of the transformation God has accomplished in me, I need to start with Diane before Christ. I attended church and sang in choir, just like I do here, my whole life. But I did not have a personal relationship with God until I was 35. I was trying to earn my way to heaven, but knew that I was not meeting God's standard, so I was very self-conscious. I didn't want to go to Bible studies because even as a teenager, I knew I didn't get it. I didn't want others to see that I didn't understand. That was pride. I never wanted to be a teacher in front of people so that they could see that I wasn't perfect. In 1983, I received Christ. Two months after my husband left home, our sons were four and six years old. God was wooing me to himself and giving me a network of believers in my Episcopal Church and in Bible Study Fellowship to help me grow. The veil was lifted. I was hungry to grow and understand Now that I had the Holy Spirit helping me, I became a children's leader in Bible study fellowship, teaching two-year-olds. God knew I needed to be learning at a two-year-old level. I was on fire for the Lord and not knowing much yet. One time, I was talking with a mature Christian how I was compelled to tell people the gospel and what God was doing in my life. This friend laughed, explaining that I had the spiritual gift of evangelism. I asked, what's that? I was shocked because I expected that all born-again believers would be compelled out of gratitude to help people understand the gospel. The first time I took a spiritual gifts evaluation was in BSF, a graduate seminar in May of 1987, The same week, my divorce was finalized, four years after meeting the Lord. The results, in order, were administration was my top gift, followed by exhortation, prophecy, serving, mercy, teaching, and giving. I was still learning what all of these meant. As I spiritually matured in a In allowing the Lord to be the Lord of my life, I grew in understanding how his spiritual gifts differ from my skills and my talents. Eleven years later, in 1998, Pastor Paul Allen led a Sunday school class here at NECC for new members that helped them, that I helped him teach. That class included a questionnaire, Finding Your Spiritual Gifts so that the new members could learn what their spiritual gifts were and then be guided to how God would have them use those gifts in our church family. I took the evaluation. Evangelist was my top gift, followed by help, helps, faith, leadership, 
and still administration. Interestingly, as God grows us and transforms us, he can also redirect our service to him. When I took the same questionnaire, again, four years later in 2002, again helping Pastor Paul with the class, teaching was my top gift. Followed by knowledge, exhortation, wisdom, evangelism was still in there, faith, and intercession. Remember how before I knew the Lord, my pride, my self-consciousness prevented me from even considering being a teacher. Now, that is my top spiritual gift that I have the privilege of doing, still at BSF, in Sunday school, and in mentoring relationships. There is nothing that gives me more pleasure than to help others understand the gospel to receive Jesus as their Savior, and then to allow him to be the Lord of their lives. I'll ask you one of my favorite questions I ask the students. What does God want you to be when you grow up? Thank you, Diane. You could hear from Diane part of her process, and as I talk about unwrapping our gifts, just a a few of the things that she said that I'll enter into our process, and we'll keep talking about this in the weeks ahead, but uh, there's both assessment as well as experience come into that. The assessment are the tests that that Diane mentioned having taken, and there's, just, one of them, we've got one resource. I made a copies of it there out in the bulletin or out in the, the table in the narthex. And we'll make some other ones available to you. And there's things you can find online. But you just answer a bunch of questions. And some of you hate to do those kind of things, right? But for those of you that can kind of wade through the questions, they help, help you kind of identify that. Um, so there's, the assessments are, are, are helpful, but the experience is helpful too. Part of it is what you actually like to do, but part of it is jumping in, uh, like Diane said, of jumping in and helping kids. She told me something she, she didn't say to you, but she, besides her two, she didn't really like kids that much before all this happened. I mean, she likes them, but you didn't like, you weren't like, like passionate, like I must work with children. And that in teaching there, God gave her a love for them. And so sometimes we, we try gifts on. We actually try them on by, um, uh, by, 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 by doing different things. And so I think another part is that we also, in this process of unwrapping, um, we ask those who know us best and say, what, what do you see? Where have you seen me uh, uh, in, in action? Or as you know me, and as I try to explore what God might be uh, wanting me to do with my giftedness, what do you see? So the assessments, we will uh, be providing some information on that. Encourage you to look at ways to serve or where you're already serving. Sometimes you get into a role and you just kind of go, I'm doing this because it needs to be done, but this, this, this ain't what I'm wired for, you know? And then sometimes you, you do something and somebody says, wow, you must really, it seems like you're doing a lot of things. You're like, oh, I, I didn't really notice because I, I love doing this. And so I think those are ways to begin to explore this. The question then comes up, what are the spiritual gifts? And we're not going to go into all of it right now. It'll be part of our process. Some of them are easy to understand. Some are a little harder to make the cultural jump from a couple thousand years ago, but we can understand them. There's a few places, a few key places in Scripture where they show up. And I'm not going to read the entire text here, but the first one is in Romans, the letter that Paul wrote to the Roman church in chapter 12. 
and it's where he's called them to, uh, to, to, to trust in Christ, to follow him. And then he says, we have different gifts here according to the grace given. And he mentions here prophecy and service and teaching and encouragement and the gift of giving and generosity, of leading and of showing mercy. Uh, those are the different gifts that show up here in Paul's list as he writes to the Romans. Perhaps the longest list is in 1 Corinthians 12. That's the chapter, maybe you know this chapter. It's the one where Paul talks about all the parts of the body are important. It's important for them to work together and where the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. You know that all the parts, that's, that's 1 Corinthians 12. Read, read the whole thing. There's homework. Read the whole thing. But right in the middle there uh, in, in verses uh, 8 through 10 and then another one mentioned later in 28, uh, Paul mentions these. To one there's given the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit to another, the same Spirit, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing or discernment is there, uh, speaking in different kinds of tongues and still interpretation of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, guidance in different tongues. Paul mentioned in his letter to the Ephesian church, he says, Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service. And this is a verse that's important here, so that the body of Christ might be built up. And 1 Peter 4, 9 and 10 speaks of using our gifts, but the gift of hospitality shows up in that list. Here's a summary of the list uh, from those texts and what uh, Reese puts in his book. Some of those you might go, what, what's that? And some of you might look at it and go, oh, I'm that. Uh, but these are the lists that come from the words of Scripture. But I think something really important to realize is that these most likely aren't all of the spiritual gifts that God gives. God is not limited. God gives all kinds of gifts. Each of these texts of Scripture from Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and 1 Peter, uh, none of them were Paul sitting down going, I just need to give the church everything I can about spiritual gifts. And God, tell me every single one of them and I'm going to put them. They're, they're almost more illustrative of other things going on. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul was trying to keep a church that was splintering and, and dividing. He was trying to keep them together and keep them unified and be one body. He said, but what's beautiful about your unity is this incredible diversity. We need all of you and your gifts. For example, some of them are. So see, it wasn't necessarily a teaching on the gifts, but they come from that. And likewise in Ephesians, his the whole theme in Ephesians 4 is the unity of the church. And yet there are these different gifts that nurture and strengthen the church. So there's other gifts than this that line up with who you are and how God is using you in ministry. And we'll try to explore what some of those are as we look at heart, abilities, passion, experience too, and how those might feed into specific spiritual gifts. But these gifts and these assessments is a great place to start. So as you do the assessment, it might show something in the direction of this, and and then we can explore together what might that really mean in today's world, in this church, the ministries we're called to, or perhaps ministries that you're engaged in outside of this church, or even informal ministry in your neighborhood, in your workplace, or your school. How has God gifted me and called me to make a difference in the church and in the world around me? So our next steps then uh, here as a church will be to explore these other parts of shape, but we'll make available some of these assessment tools for you to work through. Uh, Our stewardship team has uh, found one that comes out of these resources, and we're starting to fill that out as leaders so that we can lead the way on that, but you're welcome to that as well. Like I said, there's some copies out there. 
We have a Sunday school class starting on uh, two weeks from today on February 4th, running for six weeks that David Good will be teaching on specifically on spiritual gifts. So that's going to be a way of six weeks to dig into particularly spiritual gifts. So if you're not a Sunday school regular, that might be a good time to jump in. And we'll have everything back in place for um, uh, the, the little kids' Sunday school at the time, too. So there's child care during that period of time. And then we're doing a ministry fair on February 11th, too, uh, which is going to be a time to kind of know what's going on in this church. And so if you're new to us, it's a great way to get a, a feel for what we're doing. If you've been here a long, long time but uh, are perhaps looking for a different place to serve, it's a good way to get a feel for what's going on and where your giftedness may fit. And, of course, the main step to take is that step towards Christ and to say, I do want to nurture this relationship. I want to move forward and not just be called a Christian but truly trust Christ and make a difference uh, in, in my church and in the world around me. And let that be a matter of our prayer as we close now. Lord, again, we are in awe of your incredible gifts to us. The gift of your overwhelming, reckless love. I guess I'm kind of stuck on that, but I love that. The gift of life that you have given to us. The gift of unique creation that you have built into each of us. The gift of your church is a place to explore and discover, to fail, to mess up, to receive grace, to get back on our feet, to move forward, Lord. Oh, that we would be and continue to be that kind of place. But also a place, Lord, to discover these gifts of yours through us to your church. Guide us, Lord, as we discern and discover our shape. And might our church be blessed and might we make an impact for you in this neighborhood and and around the world, in Christ's name, amen.